0: Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit praisecenteronline.com. Hey, so start by turning to page 173, which should be a blank page, and that way you can take notes. Isn't that a lovely thought? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I think that should be a blank page for you, I hope, in your book. If it isn't, you can probably find another one that you can take notes on, but... And if you have your Bibles or your electronic device with a Bible, uh, find Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, and we're going to spend a little time with that scripture tonight. This isn't actually a preaching time, it's more of a teaching time, but we are going to get into God's Word, because even when you're teaching, how many know that the truth comes from the Word of God, not from what we happen to think or what some good idea is about things? I mean, there are practical things, but I'm going to tell you, if they work, they're going to be based in the Word of God. Is that right? Yeah. So it makes sense. All right. First of all, uh, let's start with this. This is our eighth week. Give yourselves a hand. You've made it this far. You know, (laughs) so good. Uh, Could I just get some feedback from you, like one word description of what you uh, have gotten so far out of Rooted to describe Rooted in your life? Just one word description. Just shout them out. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) What is it? Challenging. Challenging. That's true. That's good. should be. Community. community. Unity. Unity connected freedom. freedom oh man come on i love that who else what <laughs> excitement awesome heal her voice lord heal her voice who else <laughs> that guy <laughs> pick the pick the easy one pick the duck come on anybody else all right uh how would you describe, uh, or, or what, how did you feel about the prayer experience? How was that for you? Was it? Yeah, say say a little bit about just like a couple words here or there, whatever. God speak to you through that? Was it? Good. In what way? I don't know. I don't spend that much time in prayer in single Yeah. We did it with the youth, too, so you got kind of a double dose. And I thought that was really cool, and I thought they did really well at entering in. Some were a little shy, but we we had a good time, didn't we? It was very good. That's it. Are you all getting that there? Being, getting, being able to hear God's voice and then starting to get a, a pattern. Look at a young man over here who's going to start now in his life writing stuff down and really hearing God's voice and going forward with it. I love that. I just think that's fantastic. Anyone else got just a quick comment about the prayer time? Now, none of our groups so far have done the outreach yet, have we? Has any group? gone and done. So that's coming up and I I promise you, whatever you have planned or whatever your leaders have planned, it's going to really be fun. You may feel a little challenged at this point and think, oh my goodness, you know, this is going to be tough. But we honestly had such a ball last time when we did our outreach and uh, we enjoyed each other's company. We got to meet some neat people and just kind of came away from it thinking, yeah, that was great and made me want to do more of it. So anyway, uh, so so we'll have things to share. Now, uh, in a f- couple of weeks from now, actually it's three, it's three weeks from tonight, right, is the celebration night. So when we finish our 10th week, we're all done, but then we have one more time we get together. That's a, we're going to have another meal together, we're going to be having fun with that. If anybody has not been baptized in water and wants to be, would you let us know? And uh, we will, um, I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it in this room. I haven't decided whether I think the floor can handle it. But we have a tank that we got. <laughs> and, uh, but we can definitely put it on the floor below us. So we may all have to dismiss and go down one level. But we can do water baptisms that night as well. We're going to have testimonies. We're going to have a good night. It's just going to be a celebration of the good things that God's done. So I want to encourage you on the 24th to look forward to that night as we finish up and wrap up Rooted. Amen. So um, as you think about church and you invite people to church, what is one of the biggest reasons you think that people don't want to come to church? Think about the topic. <laughs> What'd you say? They want your money. The, the church wants your money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm always afraid when I do talk about money, you heard me this morning kind of you know, dancing around the subject because... Uh, I think people think that that's all preachers ever talk about. And the one week they happen to visit, sure enough, I'm going to end up talking about it, right? And so I'm always nervous about that. I don't want people to think that, but, but uh, you know, so people, yeah, you're right. People think the church wants my money. Um, so I want to ask you tonight, as you're here and you're walking forward in your relationship, do you think the church wants your money? Well, yes, yes but... <laughs> Exactly, we want your money, but it's not what you think. Because, and it really isn't about that. It's it's not what you think. And here, let me give you some reasons we're not here tonight. First of all, uh, God, uh, we we might think, oh, God needs my money. I addressed this this morning briefly. Everybody knows, no, God doesn't need anything, right? We get that. Or uh, or the church is in trouble. That's not a reason that we're talking about money. It, even if it was, that we wouldn't that wouldn't be a reason to give. Do you understand? Like and I'm I'm thankful for the generous community that praise center is. I really am, and I thank God for that. Now, so why do we gather to discuss money? I think if Jesus were to walk into this room tonight uh, in physical form and walk into this Wenatchee Valley and come to this church tonight, what would what would we want him to talk about? Give me some ideas. What would you want? Like, what's the number one topic you'd want to hear Jesus talk about? How to love each other. That's good. Healing. Healing. Oh, man, I would too. I would be first in line in that. Would. Anybody else? Heaven. Heaven. End times, maybe? Anybody besides me <laughs> interested in that stuff? You, you know, when we think about what, is, what would Jesus want to talk about if he were here, he would, uh, you know, uh, he talks a lot about love and kindness, forgiveness, grace, all these things. But, but he would always proclaim the truth. We know that, right? He would always do it in, in context of the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom all about? And, and he would always address, it seems to me, what is that war for our hearts and for our affections. Does that make sense? He'd be coming after stuff that's trying to rip us away from our relationship with him. And I, I think this is, a ter- this is what I try to uh, explain. Sometimes I have young couples that come to me, and they're already sleeping together, and they want to get married. And the first thing I tell them is, listen, You've got to stop sleeping together, and they're like shocked, like nobody in this culture would actually say that to them. I said, "You got to just stop," and they, they and they look at me shocked, like nobody should ask us to do that. I say, "Listen, here's the reason why I'm telling you is because God loves you, and the reason He set boundaries in in place for marriage is because He loves you desperately. He wants the best for you. He's not trying to ruin your fun. I promise. He invented sex, okay? <laughs> you know, so understand, it's not about him trying to ruin fun, but it's about how much." He loves us. And so when God gets up in your grill about money in the Bible, right, it's not because he's trying to ruin anything, he's not trying to take anything, he's just trying to get through to the heart of the matter in us and deal with us. And I think in our our culture, especially uh, in America, that our culture is all about, would, would you agree with this, you know, on the surface, that at least it's all about the right house, the right car, the right look, the right, you know, uh, the know—the—the—the—the the, the gravity of materialism, you know, culture around us is shaping us and our thinking. Every ad that we see, every article that we read, every TV show, it's all about looking a certain way and having the right stuff. Don't you agree? I mean, there, it may be too blanket of a statement, but, but it's really, and so we, we come to this question that i think you'll all know the answer to this but is money itself bad or evil no of course not we know the answer really is what it's the love of money it's it's when you're drawn to money and you love that and you want that then then there's the issue it's jesus has to be the love of our lives and and our one and only in that sense so so um so money the love of money can consume us, it can distract us, it, it can lie to us, it creates a dependence on the wrong things in life. Does that make sense okay so i 'm totally with Jesus on this subject, so when I talk about money i 'm going to be talking to you you know about the idea of what Jesus would have to say, and uh, hopefully i 'll transmit his words. Wisely and correctly, to you, um, I said it this morning, just to rehearse, though, in case somebody wasn 't here, there are uh, over a little over five hundred verses on prayer in the bible there's less than five hundred verses on faith, but who was here this morning heard me say how many there are talking about money in some way how many okay. two thousand there's over two thousand verses on money that 's quite a big deal, and so if i 'm just saying if If something's mentioned by the Lord once or twice or maybe a few times, we should always pay attention. But if he's talking about something in his book from cover to cover 2,000 times, how many know that's something we really have to give special attention to? And here's going to be the bottom line of tonight's talk. And I think we all understand this too. These are the words of Jesus. He says, you can only serve how many masters? One master. And he makes a differentiation. It's either going to be God or it's going to be money. Isn't that interesting? You know, we can think of a lot of different gods in our life that might be there, but he's saying these two things would be the primary things that would be vying for our attention and our affection. So let's get after it today. So so um, most of us uh, are maybe not where we would like to be in the context of money. Some of us may feel like we're there, but, I, you know, if if I say, do you feel like you have enough saved? Yeah, okay. uh, uh uh, it, you know, and I'm not going to ask for a response in this, but we sometimes we feel like maybe we're a little bit too much in debt. We've kind of played around the debt pool a little too much. Uh, we wish we had maybe a better paying job in some cases. Uh, we wish sometimes maybe, and I love this, that some of us we would say, Man, I wish I could just give more. I wish I could be more generous. And so my job tonight is to review, to stir, to provoke, uh, to, to maybe put some questions in your mind, and, and then we're going to break off again and get in our groups again tonight for a smaller amount of time, but you'll have a chance to kind of filter through. And I just want to make sure you understand that it rooted. You can ask any question you want, and we're not going get, to get all upset and try to correct anybody, right? We, our leaders know this. It's okay to bring stuff up and just say, Here, here's some stuff I want to just I want to get my cards on the table. I just want to be able." to talk about this. So, so you agree? Yeah. All right, that was a long introduction. I'm gonna pray one more time. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through this time together in your word and that you would uh, just bring to our hearts a fresh revelation of our relationship with money and how we can make the best use of it, God, and that our hearts would be right at the end of all things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So there are two, over 2,000 verses on money and we're gonna look at all 2,000 tonight. So yeah. bu- buckle up. No, actually, I just want to look at this one passage to start with is Matthew 25:14 14 through 29. It's a rich passage, and, uh, and I want to highlight just one lesson that's critical and foundational to understanding who God is in all of this, uh, and you'll see as we go through. So, verse 14, again, I like that. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Let's just tear apart this very first part here first of all you can already read between the lines can't you who in the parable is the man that's going on a journey who is that in the story god very good somebody got that right off it's this is speaking about god okay and who are the servants that's us and uh whose wealth is it in the story It's God's wealth. It belongs to him. It all belongs to him. So let's go again and read the thing that we just read. We're going to reread it. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey. It would be like God who called his servants, us, and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master, who's that? God. Of those servants, who's that? Us. Returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Oh, if you haven't read my book, I make a big deal about this because, because I want you to understand that In the Lord's presence is a whole bunch of happiness. (laughs) The the master's place is a place of happiness and joy. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what we're going to experience forever is a lot of happy, okay? And you may not necessarily be happy in this life, but I'm going to promise you, you'll be happy forever with the Lord. Any amens out there? Okay, where was I? Oh, I just love that. Uh, Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. Now there's a little issue right off the bat, isn't it? Because we're always going to have a problem with God if our view of him is as a hard man, as he's out to get us. Or he's going to, he, he, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, we and, and that's, I think when I preach... the the thing I feel like I'm always trying to overcome in people is any kind of a view of God that says he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you, that he is not with you, anything that is speaking negatively about the character and love of God. And so many times the reason we think those things about God is because we've had bad experiences maybe in our life through parents or other people and how they've treated us, and we project those kinds of things on God. But as I said this morning, he is a good, good father. He is a good father. He is for you, always for you. Trust me. So he says, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is. By the way, just as an aside, those who would say, I'm, I don't trust the economy, I'm not going to do things in the economy and, and I think it's corrupt and all this you, you know and I, I don't disagree but if you are the kind of person just to be real with you here that you think I'm just going to hide all my money in a mattress in my house that's not biblical it's just not watch what watch this you'll see what I mean he his master replied you wicked lazy servant so you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. <laughs> Come on. So that when I return, I will receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has the 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. God is the owner. We are the stewards or servants that ta- or the investors, if you will. Come on. Even if you take it to the bank and at least get interest on it, you're investing but whose money is it you're investing? Right, It's God's money. Everything is God. This is the most critical thing about this teaching tonight to get hold of, is that, that if we don't understand this ownership issue, we will never get a, a, the understanding of a great journey of, of generosity with God. So, so that's what it all starts with. And we tend to have this ownership confusion. We're born, we are born into selfishness, into brokenness. Amen. Come on. Don't you know what is the first one well if if my kids first word it was either dad that or mama I don't remember but the third word they usually learned was no or mine I heard somebody say it <laughs> those two words no or mine we get we it just sort of naturally comes out of us as even as little babies as we begin to talk we're communicating mine mine uh, you know, and trying to, trying to be in charge of things when God needs to be in charge about things. And that's what we're looking for happening in our lives. And sometimes we're just going to have to go back and say, Lord, I'm going to lay it all down and give it, give it all to you. So, so it, it, when we uh, believe that we own our funds, we own everything, this ends up leading to Arrogance. And ultimately, we'll never have enough. We will never have enough. This breeds a, 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 a sense of uh, scarcity in our lives. We're, we feel scarce all the time. And some of the saddest people, you know this is true, are those who are the wealthiest. They, they, they're, they're never satisfied because they're living in the wrong way and the wrong thinking about their wealth. So so we, okay, we, so we begin to think, okay, Pastor Sally, I see what you're saying. So maybe we say, okay, I'm going to make sure that God gets the 10%. All right? Or some of my money, or something. But the rest is, that's the wrong way to look at it. That's the wrong way to look at it. Psalm 24.1 on the screen says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to Him. He's the owner, we're the servants. So look what money is to God. This is very interesting. Back to verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a, here's those words, again, few things. Okay. This bag of gold that, that's described in the NIV, it was talent in uh, older versions, even older versions of the NIV. But these bags of gold, each bag, listen to this, uh, or, or talent, it was a large amount of gold. It was worth 20 years of salary. Do the mental computation in your head right now, okay? So if I hand you five bags of gold, guess what I just did for you? 100 years of whatever, you know, whatever the median salary is. Think about this, all right? And so, and that was so important that music had to play at that moment because it was so good. So, um, so, you know, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to give you 20 years of your salary. Here you go. Would you be you yeah you'd be happy about that or if if i said here's five bags of gold you're set for life right you're just set for life and and but look back again at the verse you've been faithful with a few things god views a hundred years of your salary as yeah it's a little thing to me it's not a big deal seems like a big deal to you and me but it's not a big deal to god this is so important to hear so important to know and so, so, so we, the, this thing to us, it seems like so much, it's just, it's so easy for God. And, and it, so it's, we have to change our mind about money. We have to begin to understand, first of all, that he owns it all. And, when we, and then when it comes to things like generosity, when we understand this ownership idea, that it, that it, this idea of God, this view of God that he's good. And so if he says, I want you to do this with your money, it's easy to do. And then we understand, well, these are just a few things for God anyway. So if, even though it seems like a lot to me, God, I'm just going to trust you with this. I'm just going to be okay with this because it, it's not going to affect me. It's not going to, I, my source is not me. My source is not my ability to, to do what I do to earn a living. And that's true of all of you. It isn't, we aren't, that isn't who we are. We are children of God. It would be unthinkable that if, if I had the capacity to feed my children and to care for them, that I wouldn't do that. And that's how God, who is, even though I am evil compared to God, would do that for my children. How much more would he do for you, for every one of you here? And so the man who had, had received the one bag of gold, Master, I know you're hard, man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid. What is your view of God tonight? How do you see him? What kind of life does God want for you? And if I know that he's good, I live in peace peace knowing that he'll take care of me. Do you agree with that statement? Do you know he will take care of you? He will. And and it really sets you free. You know, there's times in the flesh, I might think, between me and Rhonda, you know, as we sit there and look at the future and my age, and and I think, am I going to have enough for retirement? As soon as that thought goes through my head, I remember God. You understand? I remember God. And he he and here's what giving does for us here's what giving does it heals our view of god and helps us to understand he's the owner he's the loving owner and everything i have belongs to him the older i get the better i see this too and I wish I'd understood it better. Although I've always been faithful to give, I think I never understood what I've been preaching you to you tonight is the fact that sometimes I think we think, well, this I give to God, the rest is mine. So I think about what do I want to do with my money? And, and I think I've had to rethink that in years now and think, no, this is all God's money. God, do you want me spending money, your money on a car? Do you want me spending your money on this new clothing thing that's here? Do you want me spending... You understand what I'm saying here, right? Now, I'm not advocating for not paying your bills and saying, well, God told me, no, 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 pay your bills, right? You get this. But you understand that if we begin to think, you know, I'm just going to, boy, I'm going to save up, I'm going to buy this. Well, is that what God wants you to do? It's His money. Shouldn't we at least consult it if, if He's the owner? And <laughs> we're the servants. This is important. So, so what is our part in all this? If, if that's true, what's our part? Let's look at 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19. Paul says this to Timothy, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. As soon as I said that, you all thought, well, he's not talking about me. Hang on. <laughs> in this present world, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Mm. What a verse, huh? Think about that. That's fantastic. That's the God. We serve everything for our enjoyment. That's what he's up to. So he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Who's rich? Did you wake up this morning and open up a a couple of doors someplace or slide a big mirror over and look and have choices about what to wear today? You're rich. Did you you wake up this morning and when you opened your eyes, you didn't see stars? Thank God, because it was cold this morning. You are rich. Did you did you have the ability to? And I think in our culture today, and we don't realize what a blessing it is. Was your house warm when you got up this morning? Thank you, Jesus. My my brother had a, a power outage for two days down in Oregon. They had a terrible snowstorm. I think you may have heard of this. And he's he you know we're talking on the cell phone back and forth, and and he's saying it's 53 degrees in my house. And I said. He, and he owns a camper out in his yard. I said, why aren't you out in your camper, man? What's wrong with you? And he was—he said, oh, I'm okay. I have a beanie on and a blankets. And I'm like, you're nuts. But anyway, so, so, but but thank God we have heat. Thank God. You don't understand what I'm saying here, right? We, did you, when you got out of your house to come to church, did you get into a vehicle or did you get picked up? By, did you actually ride on four wheels and didn't have to be outdoors in the weather on a horse or walking? Do you understand? We are rich. We are rich. Did you know that if you have more than $34,000 of annual income, it puts you in the top, what's your guess? What percent of the world are you in when you have that much income per, per year? Top 20% here? Somebody said the top 10% of the world. Someone said two. What is it? You're right. If you make more than $34,000 U.S. dollars a year, you're in the top 1% of the world how can paul not be speaking to every one of us now you might say well i i make thirty-three thousand. okay so you're in the top (laughs) two percent you know but i mean we're up there we're all kind of in there right do we we have to be and there's some in our country that are poor i get it but pretty much if you live in america you're okay and you're you're who you are definitely who he's talking to in this verse command those you know i like that like as a pastor, I'm always worried about overstepping and you know, stepping on people's toes. But Paul wasn't. He's saying, command those. So I'm commanding you to not put your trust in riches. That's fun. I like that. Okay? And command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Not to be arrogant. We're constantly inundated with the suggestion that we don't have enough, we need more. There was a Harvard study done uh, of people, and they asked people who made 30,000, they said, how much, okay, you make this so much, what would it take, what would you think it would take for you to be, feel like you're rich? They said, man, if I made 60 grand a year, I would feel rich. That was their number. So they said, okay, so they went to people that made 50 grand, close to 60 grand, and said, how much would it take for you to feel like you would be rich? They all said, uh, you know, average people said, about 100 grand would do it for us, we We'd feel good with about 100 grand. People that made 100 grand, you see where this is going. They all wanted 200,000. People that made 500,000 were saying a million. This is, gets funny. People that made a million says, I need 5 million to be rich. And, <laughs> and we're all sitting here like, really? Seriously? Like, I'm just, scra- I'm just looking at the Safeway Monopoly to see if maybe, you know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but anyway... But here's the obvious answer to what it would take to be rich. Are you ready? More. It's always more. It's, it's not, we can't, we're never satisfied with that. So, so he said, don't be arrogant. Who's arrogant? Have you ever been driving along and you see some kid, some punk kid driving a really nice car? And you think, that's your dad's car. Right? But let's just be real. We're all driving our dad's car. Right? Aren't we? We're all driving our dad's car. And, 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 and let me qualify that. I knew this gal back in the 70s. She had a Ford Pinto, very ugly. It was rusty and messed. And she had a bumper sticker on the back that said, this car belongs to God. And I'm thinking, no, girl, God does not drive a Ford Pinto that's that ugly. There's no way. <laughs> you should take that sticker out of your car. Okay, but other than that one, other than that one, we're driving our dad's car. We're living in our dad's house. We're working at a job that he provided for us and designed for us. We have relationships that he's blessed us with here in the church and other places. The clothes we wear are gifts from him. Even where we live, oh, come on, don't get me started on this. Do you understand, other than how cold it is right now, do you understand how blessed we are to live where we live? Do you understand this, when Wenatchee Valley is like, I just pinch myself sometimes. I think this is such a cool place to live. It's unbelievable. There's so much. It's such a great size city. It's just, there's so much great. I think I get to live here. I get to pastor here. This is the best. Pinch me. Not literally, but pinch me. <laughs> Arrogance is born from ownership confusion. And we can lose sight of that. So God's the owner, we're the servants. So let's find a way to be more thankful for all that he has done and for us and has given to us. The next line that we read after that is he, said, he talked about money. He says, which is so uncertain. Which is so uncertain. Listen, if any currency in the world is certain right now, it's a U.S. currency. It is in good shape. But can I just tell you, it wouldn't take much to tank it. Do you remember the year 2000, if you're old enough, when the, uh, the housing or the dot-com bubble do you remember 2008 when the housing market bubble happened do you understand that 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 it doesn't take much to send everything just scurrying and everything that we might put our hope so it's uncertain anyway so let's wouldn't you rather if it all is just going to disappear at the end you just go my trust is in God I don't have anything to worry about he's going to take care of me I believe this with my whole heart I really do Money promises what it can't deliver. Even our dollar says, in God we trust, but, but it, can't, it doesn't even trust itself. <laughs> it doesn't. It's uncertain. We think that money equals power, that we can buy happiness with it, we can buy security, safety, we even think we can buy love with it, but none of that is true, and you know that. But he goes on, he says, it's so uncertain, but then he continues in verse 17, he says, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Everything for our enjoyment. See, that's what God's about. So where's your hope? It's easy to examine. Just follow your heart. Where's your heart? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money is an indicator. Heart follows money. Hope follows the heart, and it can't argue. With, you can't argue with where your dollars go. You see where your heart is. It's the easiest thing to track. And he goes on and he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up, come on, treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, okay? So I want to promise you there is a a laying up for treasure in this life, but what's even more profound that we can't even wrap our minds completely around is we're laying up treasure for the coming age as well. It's going to be so good. And then it it finishes with this line, so that they may take hold of the life that is, listen, you are not living, until you get this because when you get this this is truly life this is that ver- do you have that verse for me up there this is oh, truly life do we have that yes take hold of that life that's truly life as we learn to be generous people it begins with a right view of god and a desire to be a faithful servant that we were created to be debt really flies in the face of this by the way um we think oh i want to do good i want to give more but i'm in debt and uh and uh, the Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Slave to the lender. Now, debt is not sin, but it is slavery. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so most financial advisors and people, that, especially in the, in the realm of like the guy like Dave Ramsey and people that teach in the church and that really know their stuff, they recommend uh, most often debt only for a house. And some say for student loans, uh, but that can, and I just have seen this from experience. That's an awful way for, to start a young life. And if there's, any, sometimes people take student loans because they think I've got to go to such and such a school, but oftentimes you can get equivalent education at places that will not charge you as much money. And a lot of thought needs to go into that. And I'm not saying if you have student loans that you've sinned again, but you have to pay that back. And here you are trying to start your young life and you're just, you just sunk. And I, I know it happens. So, so, here how we give here's how we give we give consistently okay give this ongoing rhythm of life to remember we give sacrificially by saying no to ourselves sometimes right so we don't spend it on our own lusts or our own desires but we spend it on things when we sacrifice and we give generously so that we can give more to others now something we haven't talked about and i'm going to get get done with this in a moment here but is the the word tithe we've we sometimes we hear that thrown out and and, uh, and here, I just want to say, first of all, how many know that you could give 10% of your income to the Lord and still be greedy? Yeah. And how many know you could give 1% of your income to the Lord and be generous? Okay, so, so understand something. But there is, there is Scripture that says that we, the first 10% belongs to God. It all belongs to God, but then there's this 10% thing. So you're familiar with this verse, but we're going to read it again. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. Return to me, God says, and I'll return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere uh, mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. I don't know about you, but just the sound of that, I think, I don't want to be under a curse, right? So your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, if I will not throw open the floodgates, that's the same word in the Old Testament, where, in uh, Genesis, where uh, the, the floodgates of heaven opened and rain came down and covered the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. That's the same word in the Hebrew. That's the extent of God's uh, desire to bless us, to throw open the floodgates of heaven toward us and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And here, you know, this this is agriculture, but you can make the connection to your life. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. Uh, And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. God, the loving creator and maker of all things, says to you and me, test me. Do you know that's the only place in the Bible he says test me? That's cool, right? Like test me in this. Just check me out. See if I, I have made this, uh, I've, I've not done it in a while, and it's not that I'm afraid to, but I've told people before, if you're not currently giving 10% of your income to God, try it for six months. If you don't, uh, if you feel at the end of that six months, eh, it's not working for me, then we'll refund your money. I've said that before. Do you know in all the times I've done that, and I've done it several times, nobody has ever come back and asked for and I have found, and you can ask anybody who's consistently in tithing and giving 10%. By the way, if somebody says, I, I began tithing this week, I gave $10. Um, that was sweet that you gave 10 bucks. That's awesome. And that's really wonderful. But ten, tithe simply means, and it doesn't mean anything else, it doesn't mean give, it means 10%. So tithing is only 10%. And in fact, the way the Bible's describing it, it's what we actually owe God. So we better keep our hands off of that. That just belongs to God. Just, just cream that right off the top of the top. Give it to God. Don't even worry about that. Then you can start giving after that. Right? Because if that belongs to God, you don't, you don't mess with that. And that isn't even your giving yet. But oftentimes I hear people, well, I started tithing this week. I gave you know, $50 or something. You know, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be you know, great, good for you. I'm so glad you're stepping up. But here, I just want to be clear that a tithe is 10%. And that's where God is saying, you know, just check me out. Just see, just see what I'll do if you do that. I've never known anybody who's consistently tithed that has ever said to me, it just doesn't work. I, I, Ron and I wouldn't even think of not tithing, right? It has nothing to do with being a pastor of a church. We, honestly, we've been tithing since we got married and before we got married. And, we, and we've taught our kids. In fact, I'll check in with my kids once in a while. Like Abraham the other day, hey, how are you doing on your tithe? Oh, I'm good, Dad. Okay. You know, like... <laughs> don't set yourself up for failure son right you know don't do that so 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 how can? here's what i've i've said this before let me say it again tonight and it may sound a bit in your face i for, forgive me if I, I feel like you're you feel like i'm stepping on your toes but how is it that we can trust god with our souls for eternity like when i die i'm going to heaven we trust god with that but we can't trust him with our money that that, that doesn't make sense to me and that same could be true and this isn't tonight's topic, but that we don't trust God with one-seventh of the days of the week to rest that day either. We think, oh, I can't, I can't. There's no way. My life will fall apart, everything, you know, but we're not taking a day, a Sabbath. We're not trusting Him with that seventh day as He told us to. So trust Him in all these things. And I, and I guess I would say, how will you know unless you try? It is a personal challenge. God says, test me. He's saying it. And I believe what we'll see more of as a church as we begin to catch hold of these concepts is we'll see people living out of courageous lives of faith that will impact our community and the world around us. And, uh, and so, so we started by asking the question, do you think the church just wants your money? And the real answer is that we want everybody to experience the blessings of God yes. that, that you receive and grasp the potential that we have together as we give, right? And this, by the way, not all giving has to be at Praise Center. I hope you understand. I do believe that your tithe should come to the storehouse where you receive your teaching and your food, so to speak. That, and, and by the way, that's why we started offering the, uh, the baked potatoes or sandwiches for free because part of the tithe was to provide food occasionally for the people. And so we used to charge for that. Remember that? Been a part of the church for a while. And, and so we had a free meal today because part of your tithe goes to having meals together sometimes. Do you understand? So I'm all for that, and, uh, but I want us to grasp the potential as we pool that money together of what more we could do in our community and around the world. Uh, Lonnie and, uh, and Corey worked on our mission board back here, which we've been waiting a while to have, and you're going to see more stuff up there, but th- this is part of what we can do. We can touch the world. We can actually touch the world with the the funds that we pull together. We can touch our community. We can touch our lives around us and the world. So how many are in? Does that sound good? So God's the owner. We're the servants. It all belongs to him. You got it? Let's pray again. God, uh, seal us to our hearts and minds, and Lord, help us to live in light of the teaching and the truth of your word. Thank you for this group of people, and thank you for the amazing time we've already had together tonight. Now, bless us as we go on from here, and help us to walk in obedience to your truths, uh, Lord, and help us to do it with happy hearts. Help us to understand that you want this from our lives so that we might enter into the happiness and the joy and and the things, Lord, to live the life that is truly life. That's what you want for us. And so God, we open ourselves up to that by being generous at all times and in all ways. Thank you, God, for this group of people. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PrayCenterOnline.com.